Here is, uh, here's the plan for today. It's different. Uh, if you looked at the order of worship in our bulletin, uh, you'll recognize uh, that it's different. So uh, I'm basically doing kind of part one of my sermon right now as like an extended call to worship. So Psalm 28 is what we're going to be looking at today. Um, I'm grateful for the many ways that God reveals himself to us. It's been good. For the last months, we've been going through the gospel according to Luke, uh, and that's been great to hear the true story of how Jesus saves all kinds of people. Uh, So that's what we've been looking at in Luke. We're taking a break for now from the gospel according to Luke. During the four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas that are called Advent, we're going to be looking at different psalms that point ahead to the Messiah. That will help us get ready for Christmas. On Christmas Eve, we're going to get together in the morning for a normal Sunday morning worship service. Christmas Eve is on Sunday. And then again in the evening for a different service, a candlelight service in the evening. So we'll get together twice on Christmas Eve. Four Sundays in Messianic Psalms preparing us for that. And today we're going to prepare ourselves for Thanksgiving by looking at a psalm. Psalm 28. Uh, You know maybe that the Old Testament, including the book of Psalms, was written in Hebrew. And, and, and the Psalms are poetry. So we're looking at Hebrew poetry, and Psalms are essentially the songbook for God's people who would gather together for worship. They would pray the Psalms, they would sing the Psalms, and the Psalms are really helpful in helping us and God's people throughout the centuries to not only express our emotions, sometimes it's like I'm feeling something, I don't even know how to say it, and the Psalms help us know how to say it. The Psalms also, as we read them and meditate on them, start to shape our emotions, how we feel. And it's really an attempt to put together, as we work through the Psalms, an attempt to put together, here's how I'm feeling, here's what the world is like around me, and here's what I know to be true about God. How does all that fit together? Psalms really help us express and really figure that out. So psalms are written as poetry to be prayed or to be sung, and really the aim of them is that God might be worshipped. So a couple of times out of the year, we've started this tradition of of kind of arranging the, the worship service in a little different way that helps us to do something called lamenting. About one-third of the psalms, there's 150 of them, so 50-plus of them are Psalms of lament. One pastor just defines lament very simply in this way. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. A prayer in pain that leads to trust. We're going to acknowledge here today that as we enter into a season that's supposed to be happy, merry, and bright, the reality for a number of us at various times in this season and outside of it feel more sad, lonely, and dark rather than happy, merry, and bright. In a world that is filled with evil and brokenness, we might wonder, does God even hear us when we pray? And if he hears us, is he going to do anything about it? Is he really just? Is he really strong? Is he really with us? We're going to see in the psalm today, the psalmist expressing those things and seeing those things being answered for us. So in many ways, the order of worship is flipped. We typically would have a couple of quick announcements, then we would sing three songs, pray, and then I'd preach, then we'd sing one more song. We're kind of flipping that around today on purpose. 
Our call to worship today really is going to be part one of the sermon. After we sing one song and pray, then I'm going to move on to part two of the sermon. So this is kind of sermon part one right now from Psalm 28. Psalm 28, uh, the superscription there in your psalm says it's a psalm of David. David was Israel's second king who reigned for about 40 years, about 3,000 years ago. Okay, So David was writing this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 3,000 years ago. That's a long time ago. David wrote almost half of the Psalms, most of them in this first book of the Psalms, which is Psalms 1 through 41. Today, Psalm 28 we're looking at. The Psalms are, what I appreciate especially about the Psalms, is just how honest they are. Being honest with God and honest about God. This particular psalm begins with a request or a plea that has like this sense of desperation, of neediness to it. So let's go ahead and let's look at Psalm 28. I'm just going to read right now verses 1 and 2. We'll talk quickly about those and then we'll move right into singing just one song before looking at the rest of it. So Psalm 28, 1 and 2, God's word says this, To you, O Lord, I call. My rock... Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. I like these honest requests. Be not deaf to me. Like did this plea that's desperate on the behalf of maybe you've felt like David before. Concerned that like I'm praying and I'm wondering, God, are you hearing me? Like I'm praying and I'm not seeing anything change or happen. Praying a prayer of desperation like, like everything depends on God hearing what I have to say right now and responding in some way. There's desperation in the psalm. Maybe some of you have had that nightmare where you're in some sort of situation of danger and you're crying out for help and nobody hears you. For some of you, that's not like just like a nightmare you've had while you're sleeping. It's a nightmare that you've lived through while you're awake. There have been times in your life where you're in desperate need of help and crying out you feel like there's no answer. David refers to his desperate prayers here in three ways. Notice this. He calls them pleas for mercy. Like, I'm coming to you, God, and this might be raw. It might get ugly. There's going to be tears. And I'm just saying, with the weight of sin and the world crushing in on me, mercy, God. Just give me mercy. He also refers to his prayers as a cry for help. Sometimes prayer is just like that simple word, like help. He, he refers to it as a lifting up of my hands toward your most holy sanctuary, the place of God's dwelling, a lifting up of hands, like a little child who's desperately in need, like I can't move on my own. Uh, there, I can't do what I want to do unless you, a powerful, strong father, picks me up. And so David refers to his prayers in that way, a lifting up of his hands. You see in David's prayer here in verses 1 and 2, a start that sounds really desperate and really urgent. 
an acknowledgement like, God, I need you now and I need your help or else I'm doomed. And I can just be honest with you that I need to grow in this. I don't pray often enough. I don't pray urgently enough or with enough sense of desperation because I often believe the lie that I have a lot of things pretty well under control. But the reality is that I don't, we don't, I can't, and we can't. And so it would be good for us to, along with David, cry out to God out of desperation, expressing to him our need. Every moment, every day, we are in need of him. So we're going to start by doing that in song. So worship team, go ahead and and come up onto the stage. uh, And we're going to start by singing, Lord, I need you. Then Pastor Nick's going to just lead us in a prayer of supplication. Then I'm going to come up and we're going to look at the rest of this passage uh, to get to the rest of the sermon. But let's confess, not just me saying it, but let's confess together, Lord, here's where we're at. We need you. Without you, we are doomed. I need you every hour. And so if you're able to, please stand and we'll sing together, Lord, I need you. Amen. Well, I want to continue in this psalm. You notice as you had it open that Psalm 28 is just nine verses. We've covered the first two. I want to read the rest of them. Our custom as we read the Word of God is that we stand together. So if you're able, please stand. We just said amen, but we need to come to God in prayer again as we begin to read His Word. And so let's pray. Father, thank You for the many ways in which You reveal Yourself and Your plans and purposes in Your Word. Thank you for the way you do it in the Psalms and in this Psalm in particular. And I pray that you would, uh, through this Psalm, help us to rightly express to you the, the pain we have, the desire for justice that we have, that we would reckon with evil and how we interact with it as we walk through this Psalm, and that in the end it would result in our trusting in, hoping in, and worshiping you. God, we need your spirit to move us from where we're at to that spot, and so I pray that you would do that now as we read and look at your word more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 28, verse 3, God's word says this. David continues, Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of His hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord. For He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Amen. You can be seated. 
If it's helpful for you to take notes, inside your bulletin is a sermon notes page and a life group guide. I encourage you to use that if that's helpful for you. I encourage you to be involved in a life group. If you're not in one uh, and have the time in your schedule or could make the time in your schedule, it's worth it to try to live these things out together in community. Second point, really, of the sermon then is this. I see evil, be just, Lord. That's what we see in verses 3 through 5. You see in verses 3 through 5 a desire for justice expressed, not only by David, but remember, this becomes the songbook of God's people. So for centuries, God's people have been using what David wrote in this moment applicable in his life, and it's been applicable to God's people for centuries since. For us to be able to look at the world around us and recognize not, it, not all is as it should be. There is much in the world around us that is broken, dark, and evil. And so, notice how David refers to those. He, in verse 3, he calls them workers of evil, or those who speak with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. He refers to them as the wicked. And what is it that they're doing? Well, they're speaking speaking peace while evil is in their hearts, and then he also says in verse 5 that they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. God has done and is doing mighty work, and Paul says the evil and the wicked do have no regard for the work that God has done and the work that God is doing. What does David desire? Well, he desires justice. He pleads in right off in verse 3, don't drag me off with them. In verse 4, give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. He Give to them according to the work of their hands, render them their due reward. David's desire and God's people's desire is for justice. Give them what it is that they deserve. And, and David has confidence, God's people have confidence too, that that God is just, he even says at the end of verse 5, he will tear them down and build them up no more. And that request that David has for himself right there at the beginning, do not drag me off with the wicked. Kids who are in school, you know how this works often in school, where one or two kids in your class do something that they shouldn't do, And everybody else has to pay the consequences for it. There's something in us that gets upset about that. Like, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not just. That's really what David's asking here. Don't drag me off with the wicked. Those who are giving no regard to the work of the Lord and the work of his hands, I'm not with them. David's not perfect. We know that from his life. Yet he's saying, like, don't drag me off with the wicked. I'm not standing against you, God. But there are those who are standing against you and against your work. Give them their due reward. There's something in us that desires for God to reward and, and protect the innocent and to punish that which is evil. That's a desire for justice that we all have. David knows that God is just, so he comes before God with this prayer, that God would be just in whatever situation it is that David is facing at that time. And really, again, whatever situation God's people are facing every time that they've used this psalm since. So, 
pause for some application, some modern-day application of this question. In our time, do we see injustices, evil, and wickedness at work in the world around us? Right? That's why we can, we can come to these psalms like, oh, this is useful in our day too. Because just like David and like God's people through the centuries, we can look at the world around us and say, there is evil and we desire justice. Israel was not just targeted by evil people in David's day. Israel has been a target throughout the centuries. Some of you in here, it was even in your own lifetime where six million Jews who were executed at the hands of the evil works of the Nazis. Just over a month ago, a horrific attack on the people of Israel by a terrorist organization that is bent on wiping out the people of Israel. War is necessary, but even war, when seeking to be carried out justly, sometimes in war, innocent people are killed. We desire justice, and in so many ways, whether it's on like the global spectrum or even within the United States, and we have a justice system, and guess what? That doesn't work perfectly either, and war doesn't work perfectly. We desire justice, and any means that we have and try to achieve justice can only be done partly and imperfectly. And so we, like David and like God's people have for centuries, ought to recognize God is the only one who is perfectly just. And so when we're desiring justice, we ultimately turn to him and ask him to bring about justice in a world filled with evil. We cry out, be just, Lord. We see evil. Be just, Lord. Taking it a little closer to home, away from Israel and closer to home, we as Christians believe that every human is made in God's image and that all human life is valuable from, from conception to natural death. And, and Christians like us, like us have prayed for decades that, that an unjust court ruling called Roe versus Wade that said it is okay for innocent ones, vulnerable ones, to be intentionally killed, we prayed that this thing that was called a right would be taken away and that right would be overturned. And now, just last year, God answered that prayer. Roe v. Wade was overturned, giving each state the responsibility to pass its own legislation, but it's become pretty clear over the last year that in state after state, where this has come before the people, that the majority of Americans still think it's okay for the most vulnerable among us to be intentionally killed. And when I read the words in this psalm about those in verse 5 who do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of his hands, I couldn't help but think of the horrors of abortion. Those not, 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 not acknowledging, not appreciating, not re giving any regard for the works of the Lord. At the peak of God's work is the creation of humans made in his image, knitting them together by his hand in their mother's womb. And while we continue to pray and work for political and legal victories in this area, we know our ultimate hope isn't there so we cry out, we see evil, be just, Lord. We could go on and on with examples of injustice, felt even by people within our own church, people who have been abused, people who have been victims of crimes and sins of others, and we cry out, we see evil, be just, Lord. I'm grateful for the honesty of the Psalms that encourages us to take 
uh, take to the Lord our experiences, what we see in the world around us, and to not ignore it, but to take it to Him and, and lament, to, to, to bring to Him a prayer in pain that leads to hope. Let's continue in Psalm 28, and you'll notice a change in the tone in verse 6. Remember how the psalm began, like this desperate plea, God, be not deaf to me. Hear my cries for mercy. And then look at verse 6. It says, blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. There's a confidence that God's people can have, a desperation. God, are you hearing me? Are you deaf? But then also having confidence after taking before God, here's the evil, here's the hurt, here's the pain, here's the darkness, and then there's this sense of confidence. Oh, you have heard my pleas for, for mercy. And then this confidence, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Last week, we sang Jesus strong and kind, right? Jesus said that if I fear, I can come to him. No one else can be my shield. I can come to him. We sang, Jesus said that if I'm weak, I can come to him. No one else can be my strength. That's what the Lord himself is called here. He is our strength and our shield. In him, David says, my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song, I give thanks to him. My heart, which could, because we do see and acknowledge the evil all around us, our hearts could easily be given over to fear and doubt and despair and bitterness and all kinds of things that, that looking at the world and the evil in it around us could make us feel, but we don't respond only in that way. Instead, David is saying, we turn to the Lord with all of that, and in Him, our heart trusts, our heart exalts, and I am helped. That's the result of turning to the Lord, a prayer in pain that leads to trust. And then note this, he says, and with my song, I give thanks to him. If you think about David's life, you can read about David's life in First and Second Samuel. If you think about David's life, there was like always somebody trying to kill him. His family was a complete mess. And you know what he did a lot? sing, right? Like he, and he wrote a, a lot of songs uh, that the church continues to sing. And, and David says here, with my song, in the face of all of those threats against him, in the face of all of the evil in the world around him, he's not, he's not shoving that under the rug, but he's saying, but with my song, I will give thanks to him. Again, some application for us. I love this general pattern of lament, and I think it's good for us to use it. Uh, again, that same pastor, he just, he just acknowledges, here's his quick way of looking at how the Psalms of lament happen. Basically, you've got a turning to the Lord, a complaining to the Lord, an asking of the Lord, and a trusting in the Lord. That's the general pattern of many of the Psalms of lament. And let me just say this, happy thanksgivings and merry Christmases don't happen when we pretend that everything's good all the time, that everything is always merry and bright. Happy Thanksgivings and Merry Christmases happen when we see the evil around us, and in seeing it, 
we turn and we cry out to the Lord for mercy and justice. And we trust in him who is our strength and our shield. So this Thanksgiving, like here's something I challenge you with. Don't pretend like life is peachy. That's not what Thanksgiving means. It doesn't mean you have to pretend that life is peachy. Be honest about life. But in the middle of it, sing and give thanks. Not once everything turns out fine, but in the middle of it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. In just a bit, we're going to sing this. We're going to, like, sometimes we sing to God, sometimes we sing about God. Sometimes uh, we see this in the Psalms. We're taking these patterns. Our singing is modeled after the Psalms. Sometimes the psalmists pray to the, like, not pray to themselves, sing for themselves. Right? They, they talk to their own souls and tell themselves what to do. Right? So we're going to sing in a little bit, Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. He's still my rock. I will praise him. Sing, oh, sing, through the raging storm. Not after the raging storm. Sing, oh, sing, through the raging storm. You're still my God, my salvation. There's two more verses in this psalm. Let's look at them. Notice verses 1 through 7, we're all in the first person. Now David kind of like zooms out and applies this to all God's people in verses 8 and 9. It's less personal. It's just as true. He writes this, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Again, David speaks of the Lord being our strength. Israel was often small and weak. David wasn't picked for being the king by other people initially because he was small and weak. He had much stronger, more, more fit, it seemed, brothers to be in that position. Israel, small and weak compared to nations around them, and they still are today, but the Lord is strong. The church might be a persecuted minority in most parts of the world, but the Lord of the church is strong. David has this confidence. He says he is our saving refuge. We don't find refuge in the world. That was one problem that Israel had throughout the Old Testament. They were small and weak, and they were tempted often to align themselves with a stronger nation who they thought could protect them. And they needed to be reminded regularly in singing and praying this psalm, no, the Lord is our strength. We don't need Egypt to protect us. We don't need the Assyrians to protect us. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our shield. And David reminds them of this, and God's people would remind each other of this as they got together and sang. He is the strong Savior and the shepherd. Did you notice that at the end? Be their shepherd. A shepherd who protects sheep, who who can't really do, like there's not many defense mechanisms that God has built into sheep, right? Sheep need a shepherd. Sheep are not very smart. Sheep need a shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd of his people and carry them forever. What a beautiful picture. People that are weak, in a world of injustice and evil, and the request is, God, carry us. That's the only way we're going to make it through. Carry us. There's gospel application for us in this. Notice this, that David's plea for God to save his people and to shepherd them is answered most clearly in God sending his son, Jesus. Isn't it? 
Think about what Jesus says. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We can trust in Jesus. We can hear his voice and come to him. We can be saved. How? By God's grace through faith in Jesus. Hebrews 9.28 says this, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Jesus is coming. There will be justice. All will be new. This is something we know for sure. And for we who are saved, we who trust in Jesus, the good shepherd laid down his life for us. We hold on to that. And listen, in the face of evil and brokenness and darkness and sadness and injustice all around us, listen to these words. Also from John 10, from Jesus, verse 28, he says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That is good news. In the midst of evil, right? We can't depend ultimately on the United States military or the Israel Defense Force or whatever it might be. Ultimately, our hope is in the Savior, our strong Savior and Shepherd, who laid down His life for us and who promised that He gives eternal life, that we would never perish and no one can snatch them out of His hand. This is good news. He is our Shepherd and It is also good news that he will carry us. We need to recognize how needy we are. That in the midst of the darkness that surrounds us, we just need to be carried. When and we couldn't, we were talking about this this morning in my family. Can't even remember which kid it was, but we went to the Omaha Zoo. And at the Omaha Zoo, they have these different kind of areas where it's like this would be like the kind of environment that these kind of animals live in. So you're not just looking through a thing like you're out in stuff, right? So there's this one where you go kind of like underground-ish, ground-ish, and it's dark, and there's animals that would live in the dark. And so you're walking even on like bridges, and there's alligators and things like this. One of our kids thought that it would be fun to go in there, and so I went in with our child Kirsten and one of the other ones or whatever was standing outside waiting, we got in there and that which seemed like a good idea, once we were in there surrounded by darkness and and seeing powerful beings, you know, like in the water right by us, whichever kid it was, wanted to get out of there as fast as we possibly can, but didn't want to run for fear that maybe like an alligator would get the leg, like and pull him in. Right? And so, so whichever kid it was just wanted me to pick up that child and, and so carry me. Right? That's what we need. We're those desperate people who are saying, God, carry us in the midst of evil all around us. I don't know if I can be safe. I'm not strong on my own. But God, carry me. And Jesus is our good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep and who holds us in his hand and nothing can snatch us out of that hand. For all of us who are in Christ. And so we today give praise to God for this reality. So so we can be honest about the evil and the brokenness and the sadness around us in a way that leads us to come before the Lord and trust in Him. He who is the one who hears us, the one who saves us, the one who 
carries us. He is just. He is strong. And he is our shepherd. And when we know all of those things, our right response is, all right, I need to sing to him and about him. So that's what we're going to do to close the service today. Sing three songs in a row that help us to acknowledge the, the brokenness of what is around us. We're going to sing, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Right? We're going to sing those kinds of things together. And so we're going to sing. There's a lot of people up here singing and playing. We're going to sing loudly if we believe those things. If, if all of this, like you don't believe any of this stuff, or you're not sure what you believe, I want to talk to you after the worship service to show you what it looks like to live with hope, that you belong to him and, and are held in his hands. Uh, so I want to talk to you about that afterwards. But for those of us who are in Christ, this makes us want to sing, and so that's what we're going to do here at the end. So let's, let's pray and prepare our hearts to respond rightly. God, I pray that you would just let these truths sink deeper in us as we sing them now. We, we don't want to come before you with, like, pasted-on smiles, like pretending that we're just fine and the world around us is just fine. It's not, and we're not. We want to be honest with you. But, God, I pray that you would... Make it well in our soul as we turn to you, as we trust you, as we give thanks to you. I'm thankful for Psalm 28. Thankful for the way that, that it helps us to both express and shape our emotions. Thank you for the way that it bolsters our confidence. Our confidence not in ourselves or in our nation or anything like that, but our confidence in you. That even in the face of unspeakable evil, that you are God, that you are strong. God, we are needy and we cry out to you for mercy and for justice. We're thankful that you hear us. And as we turn to you now in singing, would you help us to give thanks to you in song? Like David did 3,000 years ago and like your people have been doing for 3,000 years since. We join in singing with brothers and sisters in Christ being persecuted around the world, surrounded by evil that most of us have never seen. And I pray that you would cause our faith to rise as we sing and as we hear fellow sufferers around us, knowing that there are broken people all around us who admit we don't have it all together, but we believe these things to be true. So God, help us to hear those voices and Help our hope in you, our strong and merciful, just Savior, to grow. You are the shepherd who carries us, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.